Welcome to Inkwell, a podcast from Houston, Texas, for anyone engaged in the world of reading and writing. Inkwell is brought to you by Tintero Projects, which showcases the work of national and international Latinx and Latin American writers through readings and workshops, and Inprint, a literary arts nonprofit which, since 1983, conducts readings, workshops, and other programs to promote creative writing and reading and supports writers. Inkwell hosts Jasmine and Lupe Mendez, writers, educators, activists, and founders of Tintero Projects, will interview emerging and established writers from across the United States with energy, wit, and fresh perspective on what it means to ink well in this day and age. And welcome to another wonderful edition, episode, thing of Inkwell. Uh, It is a podcast put together by the lovely people at Imprint and then Tintero Projects, which is a 100-person organization. A.K.A. Lupe and Jasmine. And I am one of your co-hosts, Lupe Mendez, the other co-host. Jasmine Mendez. And uh, that's it. That's all of Tintero Projects. <laughs> I guess if we... We're an army, though. Like did we, have, know, we do the thing. We do have someone who does our photocopying. She's one and a half. <laughs> And that would be our child, Luz, who does not do the photocopying. And who is but. asleep at this hour. So, yeah, yes. good stuff. Um, this is, I'm not going to give the episode number because. It might change. It might <laughs> change in the order, in order of things. So, that's why. Uh, we are in the, the midst of doing season three. Yes. Um, and so, it is a wonderful, cozy night here in the city of Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, rainy, as usual. It's rainy. Yep. Is it rainy as usual? I, don't I mean, it's Houston. It's humid. It's rainy. That's just like the city. The weather's MO. supposed to get finally cold. So Again. that's ha- well, quote unquote, cold for those of you that like live somewhere degrees. else where there's snow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's snow. This is <laughs> this is not cold. I will take out my scarf in two days. Hey, so. I've got rain boots and like a sweater dress, <laughs> like a scarf in the car. I'm so, like ready. Like, Brr, drink some soup. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I think your words are failing. Yes, pretty much. Um, so uh, our guest for this evening uh, is amazing, um, the wonderful Raquel Salas Rivera. Um, Can you say a quick hello for us? Hey, ah. and uh, that's all we'll yes. have Raquel say. And for fail. now, they for will now. be on ever later. in the show. <laughs> just gonna be like, hey, you know. <laughs> Funny part was. Yeah. Yeah. We try to we try to hold that rule. Good. Yeah, you can break stuff. Break stuff. It's cool. Um, Am I allowed to cuss? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. Uh, we try to hold that rule together. Um, it didn't work. I think like for Jonathan Mendoza's. No, it didn't podcast. work for Daniel Pena. Well, like, yeah, he just interjected just had a the entire lot of, time. <laughs> a lot of things mm. to say. So, but yeah, yeah. So. yeah but good. that said, yeah. How was uh, your week, Lupe? You're trying to get me to talk about my job. I'm trying to segue. <laughs> to uh, the week so far, it is it is a Thursday evening. Uh, the week's been pretty good. There's lots of stuff brewing. Um, I'm trying to figure out all the pieces because I'm about to go on tour. Ooh. Fall winter tour. Ow. Josh, this is where you go. Um, with, with the, the sound, sound effects. effects. <laughs> um, because, you have sound effects? Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, my God. So when you get this will get out of control, Josh. <laughs> This is dangerous. Um, so, yeah, doing that, putting that together. Uh, my first stop will be El Paso. Actually, mm. no, that's third stop, but whatever. First out of town trip will be El Paso. And then we'll no, go that's exciting. There. I said El Paso. You know where I've been going lately? To the store. <laughs> 
on trips with Luz. And one of those trips, tri- wow, I can't talk. I can't talk either. One of those trips was to the dentist, which is where I was going because I have feelings about this week. <laughs> oh, yeah. So how did the dentist go? It was fine. I mean, she cried and then I cried because she was like wailing and they were in her teeth. They didn't do, I mean, they cleaned her teeth. Like it was fine, right? You think they, they, she was wailing. What? Well, because she, you know, like who wants to be at the dentist? Nobody likes oh, a dentist. That's true. I right? So, and the dentist was like a nice gentleman. Um, <laughs> he was an older white gentleman who was nice. Um, and I'm doing this thing, right? Where like I, we are speaking Spanish to Luce, um, because we want her to be bilingual. And, um, but I live in Texas and I look like I do. (laughs) So there's all the questions. And, uh, the nice dentist was like, I'm speaking Spanish to Luz or whatever. And then he's like putting on like his like face mask and whatnot. And he's like, where did you learn Spanish? And it like took everything Mm -mm. in my heart and soul to not just like yank the face mask off his face. Um, But no, but so, so then I was like, I was like, oh, I like at home, like I just, you know, I wasn't like whatever. And he like, there was silence and he's like looking at me like that wasn't a good enough explanation. Mm -hmm. Or was he trying to process like, I wonder where she's from? No. Older white guy. Like, oh, that's all I'm going to, like, it. you know, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. right? So, I'm just like, mm-hmm. I was like, uh, my parents, more silence and awkward stares. And I was like, my parents are from the Dominican Republic oh. and we learned it. But then also I kind of like, sometimes I say that and I think people do know. And then sometimes like people still don't know mm-hmm, what I'm talking mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm. What uh, part of Mexico is that in? Or they're just, or they're, they end up just saying like, which is fine because it's true, but they're like, oh, is that that island that's attached to Haiti? And mm-hmm, I'm like, mm-hmm. Right, yeah. At that that's island like, attached to right? Haiti. Like, Geography. Yeah, exactly, right? So it was just, you know, I don't know. It was just one of those moments. Because, like, it, it's always, like, those little microaggressions have, like, always bothered me. Um, I mean, I try not to. I'm just like, okay, whatever, another day, Afro-Latina in Texas, like, mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, now that it's happening in front of Luz, I'm like, even though, like, right now she still doesn't understand, I'm like, there is going to come to a point where she is going to understand. Yeah. And then these are going to be conversations that, like, that I'm going to have to have anyway, but it's just, like, if you people weren't such bleeping idiots, like I wouldn't, you know, like it wouldn't be like a constant like thing. And so it was just like really frustrating and annoying. I think mm-hmm. it'll to have to deal with that. Not a weird, <laughs> no, it isn't a weird way. It's almost the, so attending spaces where you're doing writing workshop stuff and um, you end up having to answer questions about things that you're like, that doesn't, why do I have right? To like it's not that? relevant. To- so, like, uh, and I will say, Frost Place. Um, <laughs> having gone, um, I felt like dinner and lunch was always an interview because mm. people were always like, "So, where is your family from?" And fi- I just like got tired of it, and I flipped. I was like, "Hey, so where's your family from?" <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, we're from Baltimore." No, 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 that's not like, what I meant. Really, where? Are where from? are you really from? And then people were like, "Oh." We're Hungarian. Like, great. How far back is that? Like, give me all that. Because if I need to know it for me, do you know it for you? And so Mm -hmm. I think once I did that once, everybody that was sitting at the table, like, mid-spoonful of food in mouth just Mm kind of paused and was like, oh, maybe maybe that was a problem to begin with that. Mm -hmm. So. Do you ever feel like living somewhere else would help solve that problem? Or, like, if you, like, would you ever, like, go back to Mexico and, like, live there and there would be less of that or would there be, I mean, obviously there's going to be like other things that you'd have to deal with, but like, I don't know. Would you ever want to go live back in Mexico or somewhere? There's parts of me that say, well, A, yes, I know I could go home and have a job 
mm. and be okay. The trippy part about that is it would be both very a colorist slash classist thing, especially in terms of like the degree I hold, what I would be doing job wise and the level of like darkness in where Mm -hmm. I'm doing things in field. So if I were to be a professor at a university, the level at which colleagues that I know, um, some friends of mine that are, that are doing the work, um, run into conversation pieces that are very similar to the stuff that happens here. Yeah, sounds, um, yeah. But then there's also this whole other class thing where people are ridiculed from, like if you're not metropolitan versus being from rural areas. Like mm. if you're from a colonia or a rancho, that's now something that's still looked down upon. And right. so we're very much like real rancho about stuff. And so moving into the city, like that already would cause an issue with my family anyways, could be like, you're moving away from home. Why? <laughs> and so it'd be a whole nother kind yeah. of conversation that would be. See, and I have like, yeah, I have the opposite problem that. in the sense that like, if I were, cause my parents are in the DR now, they moved back um, for a while. And like, it's like this weird thing when I go and I visit them because like, like, tech, like, basically, like, if I'm just walking around, like, I, at least I think I can pass as, like, Dominicana from the island, even though I'm sure there's, like, a way that I walk that people are, like, it's, you know, that, yeah, like, she's, like, American or whatever. But, um, but it's different because, because of, like, colorism, like, I'm on the quote-unquote lighter spectrum, right? Um, and so, but then I also am, like, have this, like, American identity and passport and, like, privilege. And so I always feel weird because I'm, like, whoa, I'm the one with privilege here versus, like, when I'm in the U.S., I'm, like, totally not the one with any kind of, like, I mean, I, I do have some, like, class privileges here, but, like, Overall, right? Like, no, I'm, I'm a black woman, like black Latina mm-hmm. in America, mm-hmm. right? Versus like over there. So it's like this really weird. And then my parents like live off of their retirement. So they have like people that come and clean the house and live in this like high rise condo or whatever with like tons of security. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, just, I f- always feel very awkward when I go to the DR and visit that I don't know if I could succeed in like living there. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have their own issues with like, you know sexism <laughs> like is rampant and ageism and all of those things right and like corrupt government and whatnot but but sometimes there there are moments where it is nice and I'm like walking around and literally everyone is like the same shade of skin as I am or darker and I'm like ah oh, this is nice I don't have to like explain my identity to anyone mm-hmm. you know or my existence so there are brief moments of where I can even now it, here but, though. I feel and then like, you would be like, they would like elevate, they'd be like, oh, mira, ese mexicano que refinado, so, and da 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 da. And like, we've gone, I've gone with Jasmine other, to right? the Dominican like, Republic twice, once, once. Yeah, for And the one time we went, I, I was repeatedly told, ay, esos mexicanos que duro trabajan acá, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, Hard workers. My grand, I didn't even know there my, were Mexicans in the DR. Right, I was we like, like, my goodness. What? We're, I know, where? I'm kind of like, eh? Yeah. I was like, yeah, like, all the so we go hace como que 10 years ago. No, sí, una década. So we went to Luna de Miel. We went to a resort in Bávaro. Oh, okay, so okay. we go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we take like a day trip mm-hmm, into mm-hmm. Santo Domingo. And as we're going into Santo Domingo, um, we're asking questions about like you know farming and the land and everything, and then we get into town, um, 
And the guy tells us that there is a population of uh, Mexicans in in uh, the DR. And we're like... Well, because you had heard like Selena Quintanilla like playing somewhere. And you're like, like, I heard Cumbia's playing like, in the background. Cumbia's and like, I was like, uh, like And I look around like, and the guy's Santo like, Domingo. oh, no, si, está acá. I was like, ¿Cómo? And he was like, ¿Cómo? He was like, I was like, ¿Cómo? He's like, ¿Ve Yeah, tu gente. Tu gente. Yeah. And scaffolds. I was like, Yeah, they're the ones constructing like, like the condos and the like resorts. So then that and, same day, yeah. we go back to the resort yeah. and then we're going for like dinner or something. And then the hostess was like, Mira, muchacha, tú sí eres dominicana, pero tú, tú eres mexicano. Ay, mujer. No, they, no, they she like it was there. a whole lecture the on whole like lecture. how hardworking Mexicans were and like That's that I shouldn't lot. leave. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. So then, like, the, the funniest thing was a lot of stuff happening. <laughs> so then, yeah. like, well, I guess it's also just like probably similar to well, no, it's complicated. I was gonna talk about. Haitian immigrants, but no, that's a really different dynamic. But yeah. Interestingly, <laughs> yeah. so we yeah. go, yeah. so later that December, I finally take her to meet my family in Mexico and we're sitting at the dinner table and we're telling the whole story of like what happened, mm-hmm. very much like doing here. And then my aunt, who has no chill whatsoever, she literally was like, ay, sí, qué bueno. Esos mexicanos que sí trabajan cuando no qué están fue, aquí en México. Qué mano. Pero cuando están acá en México, no hacen ni una chinga. And I literally, <laughs> we busted out laughing. And it's like, it's perspective. Like, what is it that one sees when in different that spaces? That is so funny, yo. What and it was, and, the, and what's so funny about that is like a few years later, like to extend I'm, that story. I'm, like, I'm sorry. To, no, it's okay. I'm like, what is this? Population, <laughs> like I'm like, what is happening? No, but it's true because, like, because, uh, like, a few years later, I was like randomly, I, I was like getting a pizza. I was like picking up a pizza that we had ordered, and again, and, and I could tell like the guys there were speaking Spanish, and so then I responded in Spanish, and again, the whole like looked at me, and he's like, "Wait, where are you from?" And you know, I said, "Oh, República Dominicana." And then he looked at his like friend and was like, "Sí, allá donde están todos los trabajos, donde están yendo a trabajar todos." And I was like, "Wait, Whoa. what?" Yeah, <laughs> so. Is this like a recenter thing? Yeah, I, 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 I think it's so. within the last yeah. ten years. There's that been, it's a, been wow. like a, a big wow. push of well in the DR too. I mean, not just Mexico, but like because of all the issues like in Venezuela, like there's like a huge like immigrant population of like from Venezolanos like coming into the island. Some a good portion of it is like unfortunately due to like drug trafficking and human trafficking unfortunately as well but because like the dire straits that are happening right like over there a lot of them are are coming to the dr mm-hmm. um which is also problematic in the sense of like that it's okay like in the dr like they're accepting of venezolanos because they typically tend to be because they're not haitian basically like that's just yeah, what it boils yeah, down yeah, to yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean and so that's a whole nother conversation yeah. but yeah anyway. i was really thinking i was thinking a little bit about that you know like how like yeah. what notions of hardworking, mm-hmm. like, and what is considered like how, how Haitian immigrants are talked about is mm-hmm. not like that, right? No, and along that all. lens too, it's not like this weird. I don't, it feels like a turnstile, like of things, because there's now a population of Haitians living in Mexico, in Mexico. like doing yeah. well, like opening businesses, like mm-hmm. selling food, and like the Mexican population along the border and Mexico City and in Guadalajara are like, yes, please more. Like, mm. do more of this and, like, welcome. Like, come have mm. space. And so it's quite an interesting yeah. thing to see mm-hmm. in looking at, like, how when you're looking at both 
people and places and where migration occurs and what is when one is moving, how does that happen by word of mouth, right? Mm-hmm. Like where people generally go mm-hmm. as they're migrating. So mm-hmm. that stuff. But mm, there is something. <sighs> yeah. Okay, so cool. Many so, uh, so when we come back from mm-hmm. our short break, we will introduce Raquel Salas Rivera and they will share a poem for us, I hope. Uh, and then we'll get into to our conversation. So we'll be back. And we're back. And I'm so going to make sure I don't butcher this because you're going to do great. I'm going to do great. These are awesome. Um, so this is, um, we are with Raquel Salas Rivera. Uh, she's here in town for several readings um, and also gave a workshop earlier in the week. So uh, they have a busy schedule and we're really thankful that they came in. So um, we'll begin first with a bio and then they'll read and then we'll have a conversation and then we'll all sit back and have drinks. Rum. No. Rum? Poeta, traductora, crítica literaria puertorriqueña. En el 2010 ganó el premio y segundo premio en la categoría de poesía en el decimosexto certamen literario de la Universidad Politécnica de Puerto Rico, al igual que el primer premio en el certamen de poesía del Festival Cultural Queer del recinto universitario de Maya. I'm going to ruin that. Mayagüe. Mayagüe. Uh, de 2016 a 2018 sirvió eh, de coeditora para la revista literaria The, Wander, The Wanderer. En el 2017 coeditó una serie bilingüe de devorantes de poetas puertorriqueños contemporáneos que luego fueron reunidos en la antología Puerto Rico en mi corazón. Uh, Anomalous Press 2019. I, I said that in English. Nothing else in English. Um, en el 2018 fue nombrada poeta laureada de la ciudad de Filadelfia por el término de dos años. El, oh, so this is, yeah, it is. This will be the mm-hmm. end of mm-hmm. your term. No, actually, that might be a good thing. Or We can talk about it. We can talk about it. El año siguiente se convirtió en el recipiente inaugural de la beca de laureada de la Academia de Poesía Americanos. También recibió becas del Instituto Sundance, el Centro Kimmel para las Artes Performáticas, el Centro de Poesía de Arizona, el McDowell Colony y Canto Mundo. What up, fam? Canto Mundo. Canto uh, with us, Raquel Salas Rivera. Um, so if you would be so kind to read us a piece. Los militares versus the military. Lo que pasa es que cuando estás cerca puedes ver que son muchos. Cuando embisten, arrasan con vientos de 200 millas por hora y tumban tu verja de las raíces. Aunque se sientan como unidad, puedes ver en sus caras los múltiples puntos de impacto, las formas de fragmentar un cuerpo con el dolor, la disforia experiencial, la ruptura entre el cuerpo y la psiquis de tu historia. Lo que pasa es que cuando pasas mucho tiempo odiando lo mismo, comienzas a vislumbrar las grietas, como las partes se juntan coordinadamente, comienzas a ver cuántos familiares tienen que se parecen a ti, 
y te duele más hondo que el fondo de una maleta vacía. Lo que dicen no es cierto. Es más fácil conocer y convivir con el enemigo que odiarlo. Aún más fácil es convivir y amar al enemigo, odiándolo. Noten que nunca digo ser el enemigo, porque por más que confunda cotorras, por más que en batallas de campo y montes seamos como hermanos, todavía quiero morir con mis cenizas esparcidas por humatas, como mi abuelo. En estas oraciones la palabra como no es comparativa, es más bien el interrogatorio por el cual pasamos antes de decidir que casi no importa el sin razón de estar colonizados sin serlo. No sé si me sigues, pero sigo por un camino cuesta abajo hacia el mar. Al abrir el portón se inundan las alas. Cada seguro sirve como represa. Siempre lloramos con la lluvia y ha llovido. Si abres la ventana entran los gases. La piel reacciona al aire, como a un ejército invasor. Los militares versus the military. What happens is, when you're close, you can see they are many. When they charge leveling all with 200 mile per hour winds and they knock down your fence from the roots up, even if they feel like a unit on their faces, you can see multiple impact points. The ways of fragmenting the body with pain, experiential dysphoria, the rupture between the body and the psyche of your history. What happens is, when you spend too much time hating the same thing, you start seeing fissures, how the parts coordinate and come together. You start seeing how many family members they have that look like you, and it hurts deeper than the bottom of an empty suitcase. What they say isn't true. It's easier to know and live with the enemy than hate him. It's even easier to live with and love the enemy, hating him. Notice that I never say, be the enemy, because no matter how many parrots I confuse, no matter how much like brothers we are in battle, I still want to die with my ashes scattered over umatas, like mi abuelo. In these sentences, the word like is incomparative. It's more of an interrogation we go through before deciding the illogic of being now colonized not being in relation to colonialism, almost isn't worth it. I don't know if you follow me, but I keep going downhill towards the sea. When opening the gate, the living rooms flood. Each lock is a dam. We always cry with the rain, and boy, has it rained. If you open the window, the gases enter. The skin reacts to the air as if it were an invading army. I feel like oh. I could listen to your voice for hours. That's very sweet. <laughs> it's a very, like, it's strong, but it's also, like, it's just so captivating, um, as well as, like, obviously the poem itself. I have so many questions. I, like, I sat and I read this this book in, like, 40 minutes, and not because it, it was, because A, was that good, but then also the way that it's written. I think it's intended to, like, you just sit down mm -hmm. and you read it, right? It's, like, straight through. Um, and the book we're talking about is While They Sleep Under... The, uh, sorry, Under the Bed uh, is another country. So While They Sleep Under the Bed is another country. Um, and it's, um, it's, it's all about the aftermath of Hurricane Maria, um, which feels like happened, you know, all of yesterday <laughs> um, and, and not, um, not as long ago as it is, but not even long ago. So I was like really interested um, in just kind of knowing, like, 
like, did did the poems, did this, I feel like it's a book length poem, but I could be wrong. Um, Cause there's not necessarily like any breaks or titles. Um, did it like just all come to you? And then it was like, here this is, right? Um, obviously with revisions, I'm sure, but like, it just, it, it felt, it feels so immediate and so urgent and so right now. And so um, just like, it happened so soon, but yet like now we, you already have this book out, mm-hmm. <laughs> out of, you know, it happened so recently. So just, I don't know, I would just love to like hear your process and like creating this beautiful book. So, um, you know, the tertiary was a book that I wrote in response to the Promesa Law. Mm. And, um, you know, when the hurricane hit, I, I only have one family member in the U.S. that I that I know of mm. um, who lives in Chicago, my cousin Miguel. And the rest of my family and many of my friends live in Puerto Rico. And of course, you know, when the hurricane hit at the time, I was living with my ex-partner and um, it was really intense because I lost contact with almost everyone and really didn't know when I was going to have contact with them again. And um, a friend of mine uh, was supposed to fly to visit us for about two weeks, the Friday after the, the hurricane hit on Wednesday, so mm. that Friday. And, and it was one of two flights that didn't get canceled. And so my friend arrived with like all of her two weeks worth of luggage mm. and was suddenly permanently living with us. Wow. Right. Um, and then, you know, at the time, my response to most things kind of in these traumatic situations is to sort start organizing. Um, and my ex and I organized a fundraiser where we raised about $15,000 and helped bring about five um, queer and trans um, Boricuas from the island to Philadelphia um, and got the Mozoni Center to like help, you know, offer free medical services and help them kind of adapt and whatnot. And then at the same time, I was organizing this fundraiser, Puerto Rico Mi Corazon. So mm-hmm. it meant that I had to contact poets. Um, right. um in Puerto Rico and asked them if I, if I was allowed to copy paste poems basically whenever mm. they would have signal and translate them. Yeah. And so this was its own kind of like very intense sort of, um, stories I was getting, you know, from people when they had, uh, internet, they would kind of talk to me, right. you know, usually meant they would have to go to Burger King and connect their phone. Right. And it was the only place where they could get a signal or whatnot. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, so I was just organizing, I was doing this stuff sort of, um, and at the same time, it just felt like my world was completely ruptured at this point. Um, uh, but you know, this was, this book is really a continuation in a way Mm -hmm. of the tertiary because Mm -hmm. much like the hurricane is a continuation of, um, you know, hundreds of years of colonialism, but also Mm -hmm. a continuation of, uh, the promise as an extension of the promise of law. Right. Um, and you know, uh, it's a book that I initially began writing as a, there was a request for a chap book Mm. from hostile books. Um, and they were, you know, very sweet and understanding and that they were like, look, we know you're going through a lot, but we just thought you might be interested in whatever, Mm -hmm. putting together a chap book. And I was like, I'll give you a chap book. You know, (laughs) I was like, I'll tell you about my trauma. You want to hear about it? You know? Um, So I got a little intense and I create, I started writing these, this this book basically that I didn't know was going to be this book. Right. 
Um, I don't exactly remember how the format came to be. Honestly, yeah. a lot of stuff from that period, I don't exactly sure, remember. Sure. Yeah. You know, it was very like a lot of trauma. Yeah. Uh, and so I began writing this. And the chapbook itself, we, um, we sealed shut with duct tape. And then we took it to AWP and people would come and, you know, I, I, I gave these instructions where I was like, well, people can come and they can, you know, when, when they offer to buy it, I want you to tell them that they can't. Mm. Um, and so that was the dynamic. It was a sealed object and, mm. you know, they weren't allowed to have access to it, right? And so I kept writing this on my own, you know, I think part of it was that I had a lot of difficulty talking to my friends. Mm. We would come together and would share news and we would drink, but we couldn't really process our feelings. It was Mm. very hard. I was also just receiving a lot of information that I had nowhere to process because I was sort of just like dealing. Yeah, and that's what this book feels like for sure. Mm -hmm. Like sort of these these footnotes, right, where it's like it feels like it was like a text message here, a social media post there, or like someone just says something to you in passing and you're like trying to process like, you know, Mm -hmm. what but there's it's sort of nonstop. Even though there's like all this white space, right, you're just you're reading through it just like line by line, you know, page by page, and it's sort of overwhelming in this like very like – necessary way mm-hmm. I think yeah. and sort of accumulative yeah. and sort of like there isn't there's no sense of closure mm-hmm. you know um yeah. and so you know as as a text you know I, you could say it's a book length poem you can say it's a serial poem mm. however you want to frame it yeah. you know um at the end of the day I really wanted uh to I, I realized I was writing a book about the limits of language yeah, um, yeah. and and loss and grief and mm-hmm. like uh, kind of like w- what was happening took me to the edge where I, I found this space, right, which mm-hmm. I called poetry where I could deal with this. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like it just was so patently insufficient yeah. um, that uh it there was my relationship to it was pretty um hostile mm. violent mm-hmm. um much like the process itself so uh yeah and then i was you know then i was like yeah i i think this is a is 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 a book like a real book you know that <laughs> yeah. i feel that i have feelings about and yeah. want in the world yeah um and uh i closed it i decided i was going to end it um mm. uh, maybe month after I, I went to Puerto Rico for Christmas, mm-hmm. that Christmas. Um, cause I, I just needed, to, I just needed to end it. Yeah. I just needed to end the book. I was like, I can't keep writing this. I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. So, um, you know, cause it, there hits a point where you're processing the trauma and then there, it like crosses over into like your, not dealing with it right. exactly. Right. You're just kind of like right. in it and right. you're like, you know, you like you actually need some distance from mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. I felt like it crossed over, Yeah, you know, yeah. and then I said, no, you have to, you have to close, you know, there has to be closed. Like you have to, no closure, but you have to end the book. Right, right. Um, yeah, because you can go on forever with some, with something like this, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, the book never yeah. really ended, right? right? right I mean, right. It, it's not an, a book that ends, yeah. I feel. And I also just, you know, like reading from it, it's not over. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, reading from it's sure. very hard, you know, yeah. um, tomorrow I'll definitely read from it, but it's gotten easier to read from it, but it's still pretty right. difficult. Right. So it's this relationship where I I don't know how I feel about reading from it ever. Mm. Um, mm. 
but is it? You know, do you think is that because, of, in like in part because of of the experience itself of of Hurricane Maria and like what you saw and and sort of were exposed to, or is it in part also because it's not all like your stories, or like is there? Well, yeah, like, I guess, I don't know if that makes sense. Right? It does but. make sense. Um, I don't particularly feel very strongly about it not being my stories mm, because mm. I don't feel that it was a process that was individuated mm, in mm. this way. Um, I do, and also because they're not exactly stories. Right, right, they're right, kind right. of just like fragments. They're, yeah, they're fragments. Yeah. Of something. Yeah. Um, I do feel some sort of way about um, audience and like it's mm. always been very confusing to me as a text because of that. I still haven't presented it in Puerto Rico even though mm. I've talked about it and now I'm kind of like after enough people have read it in Puerto Rico, I'm, I'm very confident that like it will be very well received. Yeah, yeah. But I also, I don't know, it's it's so complicated. Like I have friends that tell me, you know, um, I started reading it on the train just thinking I was going to read it all the way through. And then I just like maybe a third in, I was like, oh my God, just crying on this train mm. surrounded by people and forcing myself to like finish it and being mm. like, I have to finish this text. And of course, my response is like, you don't, you, you lived don't. it. So <laughs> right. you don't actually you don't, have to finish like, this text. Right? yourself. Um, yeah. But then, you know, the, the person I said that to was like, no, actually it was very useful and I feel very seen, mm. you know? And so I don't, I feel like different people sure, have different sure. relationships to it. Yeah. Um, another friend was like, I'll never, I'll, I just will never finish it. I haven't dealt with this and I don't know if I ever will. Right. Um, But said it to me in a way that was interesting Mm because she just was like, I just needed you to know this. Mm -hmm. I think it was a way of saying like this, this is an important text. I just can't engage with it. Right. Right. Um, right. And then like, you know, I have friends like Ariel who wrote the kind of like piece that's upside down. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Like reread the book all the way through once he had a copy and he just, you know, wrote to me and he was like, I'm crying reading this. Do you know it's a book that makes you cry? You know, it was really beautiful the way <laughs> yeah, he said it, you yeah. know. And then I'm like, I, I didn't write it for an audience is the truth, but mm. I'm very aware yeah. of like difference in right. audience, right? right? So like, um, you know, um, definitely like I think a lot of people in, in the U.S. interpret it as like a book that's like, you know, claim like like saying something about the hurricane. Mm. You know, like they 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 talk about how how they feel guilt and complex about it and all this stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm and I'm like, well, yeah, that's the reading, sure. but of yeah. course, that's you not reading the footnotes, right? <laughs> right like in a way. Right. Um, yeah. And of course, I'm like, you know, reading it in Puerto Rico means that if you don't speak English, you can't access the English, yeah, right? And that's right. about that 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 replicates a dynamic of power in a way right. and it like is what that dynamic is mm-hmm. and reading it in the US and reading in English and not reading the footnotes Spanish. in Spanish is a, is a decision that's very loaded as well, right? right? In a whole other way, yeah. right? Yeah. And so um I don't feel like it's a book I wrote like for an audience, I mm. think it's a book I wrote around a wound and a mm. series of wounds, right? Yeah. So that, yeah, I mean, in that sense, I feel it is a strong text in that it mm. does it does capture that. Um, yeah. I just don't, you know, I feel complicated in, in front of certain audiences because, right. 
it's also my grief, you know, it's mm-hmm. my wound, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> not for just sure. my wound, but right. it's not as that's not their wound, right? Right. right um, yeah. you know, it's like our wound maybe, you yeah. know, is the way of saying it. Uh mm-hmm. and so I I kind of feel like, mm, you know, some of it's really personal, even mm-hmm. though it's like you wouldn't know if right, you weren't right. me, right? right? But or like someone really close to me, mm-hmm. but some of it's like about my breakup and the end of my relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, some of it's about um, just like the inability, the incomprehension with a partner that was white and like mm-hmm. from the U.S. Right, and like the inability to understand really what was happening to me, yeah. um, despite like a desire to, right. and like you know, especially the 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 kind of prose poem where I'm you know, kind of there's, there's an exchange and a sort of reaching towards someone and an ability Mm. to connect. It just, just, it just like that fissure, like just was the end of that relationship sort of. Mm. Right. Um, and it was political. Mm. Right. And so, um, it's so, yeah. So it's like, I don't always feel like reading that. Yeah, no, for <laughs> right? sure. I, totally I don't always it. feel like I talking do. about that. Yeah, right? So like, sure. I think yeah. in terms of, yeah. When I was reading it, I, I read it through a lens that's very much, I don't even know if this makes any kind of sense, but in terms of the tension and the weight, like you read a page and then there's a pause because of the white space and then you're reading the next line and then you're reading the footnote. And the entire time I'm reading this, and I don't know if this is one of those things that, like, after writing, it was like, oh, shit, did I do that part? So having been through, especially in the space that we're at, like, the number of storms that occur here, having been from a space where you don't have access to find out what's happened after a storm, uh, I very much had to have a moment at certain parts as I'm reading it because the very much the same idea that it is your story, but there was this other shared experience. It was like somebody knows some of the shit that I know about what this life is like in terms of like dealing with the aftermath of a thing like this and how much both the scarring and the changing and the shifting of what life looks like after a storm and what that does to not just memory, but the physicality of memory and what was once held is no longer like all those things in there. So now after um, all of that movement, are there new things that you're learning because of how it's read or any other things that other individuals have told you that you're like, Oh wait, that too. Um, has that happened? Absolutely, because most of my friends, they don't come up to me and say, oh, this is a good book. They come up to me and they actually just start talking to me about their experience yeah. with the hurricane. Yeah. You know, because I feel it's a text that, like, because of how it's built is, like, um, like it, it's a it's about some, it's about a living series of experiences right. that are fragmented right. by trauma. And so people are like, well, this is my book as well, right? Yeah, so yeah. they come up to me and they're like, let me tell you about this thing, right, you right. know? Um, you know, just, just recently this happened with a friend, right? Where he was just describing, you know, just kind of what Rio Piedras looked like, you know? There's like um, uh, op- opioid epidemic it's very mm-hmm. complex because actually during election cycles like politicians will send um like heroin addicts from PR to Philly 
And then the same, there's like a rotating group of like addicts that are constantly being sent from one police to another. It's very complicated, but um, yeah. Anyways, it's very political and it's, it's, yeah, it's very charged. Can I ask like what, what for what purpose? Like what are they doing? Um, it, there's like a kind of like, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a it's layered like a thing, thing, but okay. it's like, yeah, there's like, yeah, they're moving them, them around. The it's about like, money. It, it's uh, about yeah. politics, you yeah, know, yeah. and yeah, this, you know, intense networks, this, yeah, this is a very, it's really interesting, actually, all the connections there are between mm. Philadelphia and, um, and Puerto Rico, like yeah. just after the hurricane, for example, there mm. was all these promises, you know, mm. like political promises for mm. for um, people in Puerto Rico. If they went to Philly, they would have FEMA support and they would have support. Of course, about two to 3,000 Puerto Ricans went to Philadelphia right. and have found nothing. themselves with nothing, right? Um, and no support, no infrastructure, nothing built for them. They just were like, you know, FEMA gave them like a $100 voucher for their kids' school supplies or whatever. Yeah. And it was like, here, go figure it out, right? Um and so, you know, but it, my friend was like, yeah, you know, you should have seen, like, I saw that. He was like, I saw, you know, I saw Rio Piedras, like, after, you know. And this was something I heard over and over, this phrase, like, it's like the walking dead here, which is mm, so weird because yeah. that's a television it's series, right, right. right? But, like, everybody knows kind of what the walking yeah, dead is, even like, if they haven't seen it. Right. Um, and so he was like, yeah, you should have just seen, like, you know, because because people didn't have anywhere else to shoot up and there was like the suppliers got really limited and things were really bad, you know, suddenly in Rio Piedras you just saw like it was it was wild, just like hundreds of addicts just like shooting up together in the middle of Rio Piedras and it was like this really like dystopian intense scene and I'd, I'd never seen anything like that, you know. And of course this is something I didn't include in the book because it just I hadn't seen that, right? Right, right. Um and I had a lot of stories, people come to me and just talk about the specificity of finding loved ones and, mm. you know, their bodies and like having to deal with that and who they had to talk to about moving the body and this sort of mm. thing. Um, a lot of stories about that. Um, yeah, people come and they, they talk to me, you yeah. know, they tell me their stories. Um, I don't even know if it's necessarily like... I don't, I don't feel they tell me for me to tell, right, you know, right, I mean, yeah. I'm sure they know I might, but I think yeah. it's more like they just, just start talking yeah. about Yeah, no, it's a cathartic book. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, and it's yeah. Like, to feel like, even though, like I said, it's, it wasn't like yeah. an individual experience, sometimes people still don't feel, you know, like, like they can share or that they know who to share mm -hmm. with or, or they're just used to sharing with, like within their, you mm -hmm. know, sort of network to then come up to someone that they maybe don't know, right? And to start, because I mean, it's happened with me with my book on chronic illness. Like I'll, you know, read a couple pieces and then like women afterwards will just tell me all the illnesses that they have and that they're dealing with and all these things. And they just sort of like tell me a perfect stranger, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, sort of all, all of their traumatic experiences. And I think it's, again, just hearing you know, that story being shared or parts of it, right, that you can connect to then suddenly allows them to just, like, open up. Yes. And you yeah. know what I also think it is? I also think we just, you know, like I say it in the book at some point, like, we're just busy. Everybody was busy surviving, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so, and it, you know, every time I would talk to someone, they'd be like, you know, like, yeah, things are hard, but, you know, we're, estamos bien, <laughs> you know, and, and, 
you know, there were people worse off. Like it didn't matter. Mm. It would be a range of experiences, right. some which were really bad and some which were much better. And everybody would kind of say the same thing, yeah. right? Which yeah. is like, Pero we're tamo fine. Tamo vivo. And I think that response is a trauma response yeah. that you need yeah. in order to, to like get through a situation because you can't in that moment mm-hmm. be like, I'm really depressed and this is really horrible. Right. Because that right. means you're not going to have whatever yeah. psychic energy you need to like pull your to shit pull together, through. right? Yeah. And like get things done. And so I think that like people didn't exact, a lot of people, a lot of folks, I don't think left that space. Yeah. Because it was yeah. like that. And then they like were suddenly in the US finding work and figuring right. out. Right. You and just doing keep it moving. Thing. Or yeah. that. And they were suddenly having to like go back to whatever in mm-hmm. Puerto Rico. Like there wasn't a, there wasn't like a collective healing. Right. Actually, right. until Ricky Renuncia, honestly. Mm. Um, and, and you were a part of that yeah, also, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I think incredible. the protests were a kind of collective healing. Yeah. I mean, to a certain, to certain limited degree. extent. <laughs> right. But there was but it was very cathartic in right. that way. Right, I can imagine. And yeah. directly directly a result of the hurricane in mm. many ways. Mm. Um but yeah, I think there is something about like the book it creates even just the blank space, I do think it creates a pause and enough of a pause where where it's like you're suddenly like, right, that happened. Mm. Right, and I do mm-hmm. think there's something of that in in the in the kind of coming to me and telling me a story. Yeah, you know, just being like, yes, this was a thing that happened. I didn't right. imagine this. This was, <laughs> yeah, a, you know, very real. This was yeah. a very real thing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, that we still haven't talked about. Right, mm-hmm. uh, and so I think the the telling of the story. There's something there about the like we still haven't talked about it, yeah. and this allowing for there to be a moment where we do. Yeah. Not switching gears. Well, I was going to because speaking of like mentioned some of like Pittsburgh, but you are the poet laureate. Yes, of, I am. Yeah. Did you say Pittsburgh, Philadelphia? Sorry, Philadelphia. I'm sorry. Well, they're right, sort of. No region. No. This is what bad happens. You don't take geography in high school. This is what happens. You don't take geography in high school. Most people don't know that. To be fair, right? I mean, I like, do know yeah. they're different places, but it, yeah. And like, I said yes because I just came from Pittsburgh, so my oh. mind's all like jumbled. You well, know? Then, yes, yeah. Right. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's about a six-hour okay. drive well, between you know. them. But that's <laughs> not your – how are you going to know that? Like, you're not in Pennsylvania, you know? No, I'm not no. – I don't know much. But I'm like, how long is it from – I'm sure there's a huge gap between Houston and, you know, Dallas or Austin. About know? five Dallas hours. Same amount, same amount. Yeah, no, for here in Dallas, it's about five hours. Austin's you know, about three. Maybe someone who isn't from here is like, isn't that what? Close? You know, it's true. That's like Whatever. Yeah, like <laughs> – <That's true. laughs> Yeah. Well, there goes my – my geographical ignorance is on display at this moment. <laughs> Um, yeah, in terms of, of your time as Poet Laureate. Um, and you are the first Poet Laureate not from Houston that you that is on our show, so that's amazing. How has the experience been being Poet Laureate? Now as you're coming into, what, like the last month-ish? Yeah, Two months-ish? Yeah, the last month. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, it's been amazing. It's been really busy. Uh, it's been, um, it's, it changed my life for sure. Mm. Like, uh, in every way. I also think that like, it just was a situation where I was becoming poet laureate and then suddenly I started winning all these literary prizes. Right. So it's hard to, um, separate those is uh, experientially because like, it just feels like the last two years of my, like last years of my laureateship have been, at the same time, years in which my work suddenly like spread, right? Mm, it suddenly mm-hmm. like blew up, right? Yeah. So 
I don't know like how that would have been otherwise. Right. Um, I, you know, had a series of goals for myself as, as laureate. I, I feel like pretty satisfied with what, you know, I did, did what I set out to do. Um, the first summer I organized a festival called we too are Philly or we are Philly, depending on how you read it. And it was six events in diff- all over the city of Philadelphia and different parts of Philadelphia, mm. uh, organized with different organizations and kind of you know community centers, and et cetera, et cetera, which I co-organized with Rena Shirali, Kerwin Sutherland, and Ashley Davis. Um, that was a huge undertaking, mm. right, to organize those six events. Each one of them had its own theme, and, oh, and, wow. and it was organized around that theme, like... Um, um, solidarity before citizenship was one of the readings, right? Like, uh, schools, not prisons. Like each one mm. had a very kind of specific theme. It was in, just, we brought people from California, from oh, like wow. Puerto Rico, everywhere. Um, it was, it was, it was a lot of work. It was a <laughs> lot of work. I ran into Rena the other day and we were just like, remember how we did that thing? <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. was pretty wild. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That was my first summer as Poet Laureate, right? Um, and then in January of the next year, I, I had like a six-month reading series because I realized that there were open mics and slams run by mm-hmm. people of color, but there were actually zero reading series oh, wow. run by people of color mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. And so I felt it was important, you know, to kind of like do that you know so that was uh, lo nuestro mm. um cd series and then um and then i took a minute <laughs> <laughs> yeah. about like a month <laughs> and um and i began organizing alongside uh pusha aliawala uh the poet laureate of boston a by city a two city event mm. right um called home on our back in which we kind of explored migration and you know kind of try to break down the notion that there was beef between Philly and Boston mm. um, by being like, not necessarily for people of color, right. Who like constantly have to like migrate, right. you know? Right. Um, and so, you know, kind of pushing against notions of regionalism and how, how sustainable those are for like migrant populations. And right. so I asked um, three poets from Philadelphia and three poets from Boston to like, Portia picked the Boston poets, I picked the Philly poets to like reflect on this, right? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, with the Academy uh, Fellowship, I pay- paid for the, wow. you know, the, the, paid everybody and paid for the Philly poets to go to Boston and do a reading there and then paid f- for the next week for the Boston poets. To oh, that's Philly. amazing. And so yeah. there were two readings. It was like beautiful. Yeah. Like Sounds amazing. There was crying. It was great. <laughs> it was I love, awesome. you know, it was my yeah. final official event yeah. at, at organized event as poet laureate. Yeah. Um, oh, and before that there was another event I organized in which I brought, um, Nicole Cecilia Delgado from Puerto Rico mm. to Philly to um, put on a cardboard workshop. And so what this is, is this is a practice that came from um, kind of like Argentina and the Cacerolazos and that, that period, right, of like political effervescence and like organizing and, you know, um, and which, uh, you know, this kind of like DIY uh Poets realized that, you know, because of the the price of everything had gone up so much, most people couldn't afford books. And so they began making these kind of like pirated books mm. um, out of cardboard, um, 
with very little materials. And so Nicole and I reached out to different Puerto Rican poets and asked them kind of permission to do this. But basically what we did was uh, mostly we took mostly contemporary Puerto Rican poets and we sat with a group of like young people mostly and um, taught them how, how to, we brought the materials and taught them how to make their own books. And so they, mm. we left one copy of each book in the library and one for them to take home. Oh, nice. And um, yeah, so these were some of the projects and some of the things I put on. Uh, there was Very a few more in there. Person. Yeah, um, <laughs> so and yeah, it's all beautiful work, though. I mean, like the community work, the outreach. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Trust us. Trust us. Yeah. That's like I just put her um, hand. That's put, the put other. That's the other answer to your question. Is like I am super great, grateful, sure. and like it's beautiful that I did this, and I'm. I learned so much. I feel like I know far more about poetry and Phil, like all different kinds of scenes and things in poetry in Philadelphia than I did when I started. Sure. Um, and I also I'm really tired. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I just kind of. We feel you. I'm ready for the next laureate to come in and, <laughs> and do you know, thing. take on this, <laughs> like, whatever this is. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> what were, the, were there any special requirements or things that were part of the structure in terms of, like, the, your two-year um, so the, things the, for the, for the yeah, laureateship? Uh, the requirements, actually, um, are that I put on – or organize two readings or events. Mm. Yeah. Check, 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 yeah. check, check, check. <laughs> Times 200. That was done <laughs> under, way under six months. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, that I mentor the Youth Poet Laureate. There are mm. three Youth Poet Laureates oh, wow. under, uh, but, well, under my term. Okay. It was a little complicated because of the timing, but basically um, Hasna Hashim was ending um, her term as I was coming in and I worked mm. with her for a bit. Wes Matthews um, work like was under my term and year, now yeah. um, Mia Concepcion okay. yeah. um, is the current That's similar youth here. laureate. Yeah, because yeah. they, they, the youth ones serve for a year exactly. only. And then exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, to work with and mentor them um, nice. and another requirement is that I promote poetry in the city of Philadelphia. The truth is like the, you know, it, it in the application process, I, I proposed a, a great amount of work and yeah. I, I, most of Philly's poet laureates or people who are applying are definitely like proposing an incredible m amount of work that, mm -hmm. you know, it's run by the free library of Philadelphia. It was originally run by the city. The city cut funding. The free library mm. picked it up. Um, mm. And it's about a $5,000 stipend over two years. And so it's not a job. Right. right. You know, it is and it's not a job. It right. requires an incredible amount of work, but it's not um, like a paying a job. job. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, we know. And so, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, um, part, of, part of my deal is that um, I got the laureate fellowship my right, second year. Right. So that helped. Which is incredible. Yeah, and I saw awesome. your name. And I was Congratulations. like, Yay! <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was so happy when yeah. I got the news, yeah. you know. Um, and it was really beautiful when we all met together in Washington, D.C., those who got the, mm -hmm. the fellowship because I was the youngest one. Mm. Um, and the oldest person who got the fellowship was 87. Wow. So it was a really large range right, right. of people, yeah, hmm. and projects. And, like, yeah. you know, it was very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, y tus planes ya después de que termina todo esto. 
Sí. Yo vuelvo a Puerto Rico después oh, sí. de siete años y medio, el 7 de diciembre. Mm. Vuelo directo del Festival de Guadalajara a Puerto Rico. Eh, sí. Sí, porque me gané un premio en Puerto Rico que todavía no sé por razones complicadas si es oficial o no, oh, yeah. pero me mandan a Guadalajara por eso, al mm. festival. Entonces voy a leer y voy a participar allá. Eh, y pues mi plan nunca fue quedarme tanto tiempo, honestamente, en Estados sí. Unidos. Siempre fue volver a Puerto Rico. Claramente, pues la ley promesa, todo ha cambiado la situación, el panorama. Sí. Entonces, mi vuelta a Puerto Rico tardó. Mm -hmm. eh, y es, bueno, tu mamá está allá también, toda tu familia, ¿verdad? Toda mi familia está allá. En realidad, yo escribo en español, escribo sobre Puerto Rico. Estoy un poquito sí. cansada de la nostalgia y como escribir <risa> estos libros Súper lindo sobre Puerto Rico, sí, pero claro. ya, sabes, ya estoy escribiendo sobre un lugar donde no vivo y sí, es un poquito sí. complicado para mm, mí. Mm. Eh, entonces, sí, voy a volver. Y estoy tan feliz. No voy ni a finir, <risa> ¿sabes? No voy ni a finir. Iba a estar como que diablo, no. ¿verdad? Me siento súper mal. No, 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 ¿sabes? Ya tiempo, ya tiempo. Ya estoy súper feliz que estoy volviendo sí, a Puerto sí. Rico. Sí. Y sé que no es fácil y, y todo, pero sí. Um, entonces, si es posible, si nos puedes leer un poema más. Un poema más. Dale. Nota para una amiga que desea suicidarse después del huracán. Nadie nos enseña a aceptar la muerte, porque la muerte, esa muerte de la tita, queda vacía en nosotros, el gran hueco del carajo que nos quiere devorar. Nadie nos dice cómo podemos integrarnos al nuevo mundo imposible del mañana. ¿Cómo se supone que evitemos caer en el círculo perfecto de una ojera permanente que llamamos darle cara al día? Mana, ¿cómo no entenderlo? Esa es la pregunta que evito con el fervor organizativo de un equipo de rescate que nunca llega. Pero te voy a decir esto. Después del deseo, no siempre viene la muerte. A veces te encuentro por la calle y brillas como astro o como lámpara solar pero igual vales más que todos los generadores, por si no te lo han dicho mil veces. Y otras veces sin tilde, y, y, y otras veces me llegan tus palabras como una recaudación de fondos que explota y temporaliza la verdad como un aguacate espachurrado en la acera, verde gris de tanto amar. Nos toca primero encontrar contestaciones mejores que estas mierdas automáticas. No lo digo por añadir responsabilidades, sino para que sepas que, hermana, el intento de matarnos viene desde adentro, como último refugio de un colonialismo cobarde. Vente para acá, que te doy comida y albergue mientras la tenga, que te añoño y te duplico los abrazos, no podré sanar lo insondable, pero qué mundo sería este sin ti, qué mundo este que te acosa. Sin rescate, hablemos del futuro, ni realistas ni visionarios, hablemos del futuro porque lo encontramos en la alfombra carcomida, en el té de campanilla, en el buenos días hay café, de un abrazo confuso y sincero. Tenemos cama y memoria, tuya para siempre, Raquel. No for a friend who wants to commit suicide after the hurricane. No one teaches us to accept death because death, that canned death, stays empty inside the great hole of fuck it that wants to devour us. No one explains how we can become part of the impossible new world that is tomorrow or how we are supposed to avoid falling into the perfect and permanent under-eye circle we call facing the day. Mana, how not to understand. 
That is the question I avoid with the organizational fervor of a rescue team that never arrives, but I'll tell you this. Desire isn't always followed by death. Sometimes I run into you in the street and you shine like an orb or a solar lamp, but you are still worth more than all the generators, in case you haven't been told a thousand times. E other times, without the le, e, 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 other times, your words reach me like a fundraiser that explodes and temporalizes truth, like an epachurrao, squashed, flattened, spread, aguacate on the sidewalk, green-gray from so much loving. We first have to find better answers than these automatic things. I don't say this to add responsibilities, but rather so that you know, sister, that the attempted murder comes from within, like the last refuge of a cowardly colonialism. Come here, and I'll give you food and shelter while I have it. Gedanyonyo will cuddle, spoil, and rock, and sing you, and will duplicate the hugs. I can't heal the fathomless, but what kind of world would this be without you? What kind of world is this that harasses you? Without rescue, let's speak of the future. Not as realists, not as visionaries, let's speak of the future because we'll find it in a moth-eaten rug, in the tea of the drunken tree. In the buenos dias, there's coffee of a confused and sincere embrace. We have a bed, and we remember. Yours forever, Raquel. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Raquel Salas Rivera. This is Inkwell. And next up, Lightning round. Wow. Oh, shit. <laughs> Josh, all the pew, sound pew, effects. Pew. No, that's the wrong sound effect. <laughs> Just ruined it. I don't know. We'll be back is. in a sec. And we're back. With the lightning round. Um, okay, so here are the rules for lightning round. Uh, we will give you 10 questions. Uh, people fast forward through all of the interviews just to get to these 10 questions. <laughs> these are life and death questions. These are... Make it or break it. Make your, it or break your it. Poetry your poetry career. Right? Um, Not really. So we will ask you <laughs> a lot questions. Of Lots of pressure. <laughs> Lots of pressure. Lots of Good thing I'm good under pressure. <laughs> you, you have you go. 10 questions. Mm-hmm. We'll give you 10 questions. You have 30 seconds to answer and you have to say exactly what's the first thing. Well, I mean, sometimes people Stop. cheat. That's like so dangerous. That's like so like Freudian slip. Like that's you know, why. That's why we love so these questions. True. I don't know. Yeah, I, already, I have my, okay, I have my first question. Uh, yeah. uh-huh. um, this is like the most important question oh, of shit. life. Here we go. But I think I'm gonna know the answer. But I'm trying not to stereotype. Okay. What? You'll see when I. Tostones or maduros? Tostones. See, I know. I don't even. Best place in Philly to get coffee. My house. <laughs> Dang! What are you serving? Uh, the coffee my mother sends me in boxes because I don't drink American coffee. Oh. Dang! Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite beach? Mm, well, yeah. Mm. What do you like about it? Uh, there's like a section that's... I mean, it's not my favorite beach, but it's the closest one to... Um, my Aguas that I feel comfortable just going to in the middle of the day mm. and that has like a crystal and clear sort of like mm. area and that afterwards I can like walk through Cabo Rojo and buy, que se yo, como fritura, y pincho, mm. y pendeja, yeah. Um, farthest you've driven to do a reading? Mm. Oh, I haven't driven to do a reading. Oh. See? Look at that. That's really awesome. They got skills. Mm-hmm. They got Far- that money that... <laughs> Farthest oh, you've ever it. had to travel Actually, to do a Actually, okay, <laughs> secret, secret uh-huh. that I'm going to share with y'all. What? I don't know how to drive. Oh. Yeah. 
Well, that's kind of like a typical like. Like I've taken a bus for a long while, oh, and I've okay. taken a train and all this stuff. Um, one time, I was in North Carolina, and there was a confusion about like times, and I had to actually perform at the Kimmel Center. Oh wow! And so I did like a three a.m. like nine to. T- I don't know how long hour train ride from North Carolina to Philadelphia to perform at the Kimmel Center and just arrive just in time to like change and like rush to the Kimmel Center and perform. Crazy. It was wild. With like a whole jazz band. It was like wild. Yes. I was like, I had this like adrenaline rush after I was like, I'm fine. We're fine. We're just It was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. That's wild. Oh man. Favorite home cooked meal? Like what's the dish? Um, usually whatever my grandmother cooks. Uh, so she'll like make me coffee and then she'll, um, probably prepare like unos tontoncitos con tofu. She's also vegetarian. Mm. Like, comida criolla, but like veggie style. And yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like, I'll try Mango. Because she has a albo de mango like in front of the house. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, yeah, it's in season. Nice. Mm-hmm. Favorite three poetry collections. Oh, come on. <laughs> Why would you okay, ask that? Okay, um, okay. Poeta Nueva York de Federico García Lorca, mm-hmm. Trilce de Vallejo, and Animal Fiero y Tierno de Ángela María Dávila. Bam. Wow, look at that. I told you. That's you cool. think I'm not ready? I'm ready. No, no, I'm thinking, because I would be like, I can't even answer this question, so let me just throw that out there. Cause oh, right. Well, because I, I always hate the, like, who's your favorite poet question or whatever, like, that people always ask you, like, Q&As, and I'm like, I can't answer, like, there's so many, like, I can't of answer. Of course, it's like, an absurd answer, question, like, but fine. When you, right. you asked it, so I answered. Uh, <laughs> but you when you're reading something mm-hmm. to get cozy, where are you sitting? Usually I'm on a couch kind of sunken into it or I'm on my bed, mm. you know, just kind of, you know, I like reading on, on planes cause I actually, I'm on a lot of planes. So mm. it's actually, it's a great time to get that reading and some people can't, I can. Nice. I can sometimes, I feel like sometimes I get like air sick or whatever. And then sometimes I'm like, fine. It's a weird, I don't know. I'm like, I have five poetry collections. Totally going to read about this super intense thing here on this plane. You know? I can't. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. like, are they kicking my seat? Stop kicking my seat. You're usually I mean, like trying to sleep. Oh, my God. We're not even going to talk about spatial things on planes. This is so very stressful situation. <laughs> I think we have like what, what, one or two more questions because I have one. Go. I don't know how I want to ask it. There's two different. I might be able to ask both of them. Favorite tattoo. Favorite tattoo of my own? Of your own. Oh, wow. Um, The one I'm getting right now, which is actually all the flowers from my grandmother's garden. Hmm. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. There's literally a tattoo artist in the room right now. No, I'm kidding. Oh. (laughs) I was like, damn, all right. (laughs) Ask them about their three favorite poetry collections. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mm. Because the other version of that question was, like, is there a tattoo that you haven't gotten that you want to get? Uh yeah um oh, this is complicated so actually my f- my first boyfriend uh, died in 2015 mm-hmm. um Edgar Vidal and he was a tattoo artist mm-hmm. and um he um <laughs> he, he promised me that he had this design that he had made of this tattoo that I wanted forever 
Uh, and I never saw it, so I have no mm. idea if he actually did it. But it was graffiti wild style, but it was an anagram. So mm. it was an anagram in graffiti wild style. And it had Bologna, which is actually the name of a city from um, Samuel Delaney's Dahlgren, and Macondo. And so when you read it one direction, it would read Macondo, you know, and the other it would read Bologna. Wow. You know, which was like my way of like, you know, I know. Yes. And he probably did draw it up. but was holding it hostage on oh, some weird wow. like emotional labor shit. But um, <laughs> yeah, anyways, one day someone will draw a graffiti wild style anagram with the Latin American city and literary city and a U.S. like, um, like uh, I guess Bologna was modeled after the. 1970s Detroit-esque, hmm. you know, hmm. sort of situation. Yeah. I've always been like fascinated by people's like ink, you know, like. Yeah, I love tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> My sister is just one of those people. So I'm always like looking at her, at her ink, her art. I have one and like, it's lame. So. <laughs> <laughs> my, for my second yeah. one was lame yeah, too. Yeah. So I'm, you know, that's what you do. You have yeah. like a volleyball on your. Hip. No, it is not. I have stars on my hip. Like I was like 22. A or volleyball? Where'd you no, get that? I don't know. He's Why making is it a volleyball? Was not it a, a ball? It's a star. It's no, stars. you did something oh, else this with is, it though. You no. need to learn what that tattoo is. That's, I'm this is concerning. Like, <laughs> I'm concerned. <laughs> what is that? No. What's going on? You have You need to pay attention. I should. Yeah, it's, this is like. When did we? You were not twenty two. Well, we were together. We went, and then Lupe and she freaked <laughs> out. This she is had really not okay. She, she had like, like she got three little estrellitas. Like, so they're you, like this you big. You expect me to remember three poetry collections? You don't even. <laughs> I don't remember. Don't I don't remember I, this. I don't. It's bad. You know. You, yeah. I this is. Do, a, I, I think you should. Write I do remember this in your calendar. that. I, I remember yeah, Google alert for this. I remember. You know, learn tattoo. I remember we paid for the thing because it was just one, and then I felt like it was awkward. So then I added like a. Trail of stars. Like we were one there for like three like hours. And Volleyball, I really? I don't. I remember. <laughs> you no, know, I remember we did. Just, you, like you got it, and then at some point we were like, "That's not like let's do something." You're else not with helping. No, this is not. probably not what happened. You <laughs> know, did we go a, back? This is the moment where your friends step else. in and they're like, "You know what, Lupe? It's over. Yeah, cut just the mic. Out. Don't. You <laughs> don't need to add to this. Like, see, see, see. All that, right? So, anyway, tattoos. Yeah. Um, folks, you've been listening to Inkwell. Um, we hope you enjoyed this latest episode, which I think probably hit the hour mark or more so. Oh, I know. Um, and whoever was calling as we were doing <laughs> we had this some interview, interruptions earlier, you so. cut that out. Yeah, we have things yeah. to do. No, we're uh, with our wonderful guest, Raquel Salas Rivera, Puerto Rican poet, um, who's also going to be doing a reading for us tomorrow. Um, this will air after that, but hopefully y'all will join us and get to meet them. And so y'all have a great, I, I don't know why I'm saying like, hey, have a great night. It's like you could be reading. Great November. Listening to this in the <laughs> morning. In traffic. Yeah. In the morning. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have well, a great you month. would eventually be night, right? So like, yeah, so have a great evening right? and yeah. some, do some stuff and uh, get this book. Yes. While they sleep. Get all the books. Under the bed is another country. And so we'll see you next episode. Catch them on the flip side. 
Thank you for listening to Inkwell, a collaboration between Tintero Projects and Imprint in Houston, Texas, a city with a wellspring of literary activity. Inkwell is hosted by Jasmine and Lupe Mendez of Tintero Projects, produced by Rich Levy and Krupa Parikh of Imprint, and recorded, engineered, and edited by Josh Walker with 150 Media House. Inkwell is made possible by a grant from the City of Houston through the Houston Arts Alliance and Imprint's other generous supporters. For more information, visit imprinthouston.org or tinteroprojects.wordpress.com. For feedback on this and future episodes, email inkwell at imprinthouston.org. We also invite listeners near and far to attend our readings and workshops. Until next time, keep reading and keep writing.